Good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated to bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I am your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. And tonight's episode is entitled, Misery Loves Company. And in our first story, that's by way of paranoia and jealousy. And in our second story, through extreme hypochondria. But, as we all know, there's always a twist. (laughs) So, without further ado... This is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are Beyond Midnight and The Black Mass. Our first story is called 40th Birthday. And it was first broadcasted on Beyond Midnight sometime in 1968. I wasn't able to find the exact air date. Following that, is the story Atrophy. And this was first broadcasted on Black Mass November 7th, 1964. Now, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to 40th Birthday followed by Atrophy. Leave it there, please. No, 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 on the table there. Thank you. Fourteen. Fourteen years old. Generally, it is the so-called frailer or weaker sex who are so conscious of the passage of time that they hear the knell of doom in the number forty. Generally speaking, that is. To Robert Holmes, though, 40 held all the terrors that modern man can imagine within its two crisp syllables. 40. 17 days short. Oddly, with each succeeding year, the age gap between him and Elwaz seemed to widen, as if time were carrying him along and leaving her behind. In the beginning, she had looked at him as being attractively mature, while now he felt she regarded him as growing old. It was no trick of the imagination, the way he saw Elwaz looking at the younger men in the club, and a number of them, young bucks like Edward Mathis, were not above doing something about it. Poor Robert. He should have done something about it himself. Instead, he allowed it to prey on his mind, 
and that pathetic little number, the one that comes after 39, carried him beyond midnight. The new soak and pre-wash powder presents Beyond Midnight by Michael McCabe. I had a letter recently from Mrs. VP Head of 7th Street Parkmore to Hannesburg, and she said, I cannot fully describe my utter delight on returning to the washing to find the stubborn stains of two months standing completely removed. I am so glad I discovered your product, Biotex. And now Mrs. J. Longman of Cambridge, West East London, wrote to say, Just a word of thanks for your new soak and wash powder, Biotex. I find it almost too good to be true. I've just finished my first packet, and I washed all my baby's woolens with it, and they really do stay white. And what is more, they keep their shape so well, too. Once again, thanks for a wonderful product. I'm just hoping you won't wait too long before putting a large economy-sized packet on the market. Well, thank you, Mrs. Head of Parkmore and uh, Mrs. Longman, for your endorsements. I, too, can endorse Biotex by making certain claims to you, ladies, the most important of which is that with Biotex, the stubbornest, the very stubbornest stains just vanish merely by soaking. I'll get it, darling. Hello. Oh, hello, Bill. Look, I've been dying to hear what you thought happened the other day. by this time convinced himself that the only answer to his problem lay in his wife's death. Oh, dear. That Beryl, she is the limit. She really is. Beryl? Oh, you know Beryl. No, I don't know Oh, of course you do, darling. Beryl Krimmer. She got married last spring to that tennis player, John something or other. You were all terribly surprised. He's at least seven years younger than she is. Nevis thinks he's the most beautiful man she's ever known. I've never seen hair so fair, and he's got so much of it. Yes, it was, had youth, vitality, and longevity was a family trait. This combination virtually eliminated all chance for a natural death. Thus, Robert Holmes found himself with a sole possibility. In order for Elwaz to die, he would have to kill her himself. 
Holmes, one dry martini. Ah, thanks. <laughs> you and your martinis, Mr. Holmes. I always thought it was only Americans who drank them. <laughs> Give me a nice pint any day of the week. Dry? <laughs> As the desert breeze. You've never been to America, have you, Mr. Holmes? No, no. <clears throat> no, I've never been to America. Ah, they say it's a wonderful country. That's a nice cigarette case, Mr. Holmes. Hmm? Yes, so wife gave it to me for my 30... for my birthday. Yeah. You live out at Huntington, don't you, Mr. Holmes? Mm. Yes, that's right. 134, on the hill. That's a nice house, I know it. It's got a tennis court, garage for four cars. It's big. Mm. I used to work for the bloke who owned it during the war. Jack Conyers owned it then. He was a bootlegger. A what? <laughs> that's what they call him in the States, Mr. Holmes. Distillers of and runners of black market liquor. Oh, During the war, the customers telephoned orders and we'd get the stuff out of the stockroom under the garage and send it out to them at black market prices. The police were never able to run under the garage. <laughs> but there's, there's no room under the garage. Well, it's probably been filled in a long time ago. But there used to be one under there. There was a trap door in the garage floor and some steps leading down. The door was on a spring. And you had to push it in a certain place to make the trap open. Oh, yes. Oh, excuse me. Got to go as customers. Hello, Bobby boy. How are you? <laughs> oh, Charlie, you celebrating? Well, wife's gone away. Visiting her sister. First time the old... <clears throat> First time she's left me for 15 years. <laughs> oh, look. I might be telling tales out of school and all that, but I just saw your charming bride. Well? Well, maybe I ought to keep my big mouth shut. Well, come on, come on, you old drunkard, up with it. Well, I've been around the town to a few pubs today, and that I can see. Hmm. Well, I was in the domino earlier on, and that's where I saw Elwood. She was with a youngster called Mathis. Mathis? Edward Mathis? Yes, Edward. That's the one, Edward. <laughs> You're sure? Well, look, Bob, I've had a few drinks, but there's nothing wrong with my eyesight. Oh, he's a smart one, that Mathis. He's... That <laughs> yeah, is smart. Birthday, Bob. It's only a couple of weeks off, you know. You'll be 40. Well, don't have to remind me. Hmm? What? Well, would you like to get a crowd together and go to the club? Um, I'm not particularly looking forward to this birthday, if you don't mind. Why? Because you'll be 40. <laughs> oh, don't be absurd. You know what they say? Life begins at 40. Oh, for heaven's sake, spare me the cliche. I don't act so blasted smug. One of these days, you too are going to be of course, 40. he's a long, long way off for me yet. Oh, still, it's nothing to be afraid of. He glanced down the long table at his wife. She had a secret of that, he was sure. Nine years they'd been married now. Nine years on her money. Even his job in her father's brokerage firm would go down the drain if anything happened to their marriage. Is anything wrong, Bob? What did you do today? Oh, nothing important. Went to the club, played nine holes and... With whom did you play? What is this, Robert? An inquisition? Well, just what is this all of a sudden? 
You're acting like a suspicious, peevish old man. Oh, forget it. I've had a bad day at the office. Forget it. She's a beauty, isn't she? Lovely yellow. Oh, oh hello. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, one of the most beautiful cars I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, mamma mia. Uh, would you, uh, would you ask Mathis if he's not too busy? I'd, I'd like to see him, please. Oh, Ed won't be in again until this afternoon. Hey, shall I ask him? No, 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 never mind. I'll, uh, I'll come back again some other time. Blazes with work today. That's what Holmes thought that morning. He drove home again. Her car was not in the garage. He moved moodily about the house for a while, drank two drinks, and then suddenly remembered what the barman had said about the old trap door in the cellar of his house. With a strange excitement, he went to investigate. Something had clicked in his mind. I-beams surmounted by the concrete garage floor. 
The four walls were concrete, too. The floor was hard-packed to earth. The air was close and fetid. with the detergent-proof formula won't wash off. It's detergent-resistant. Rally gives Char wax protection that's deep and long-lasting. And the finish is fast, very fast. Johnson's Rally Car Wax in liquid or paste form. Soak, soak, that's all you have to do. Soak, soak, just for an hour or two, you Amazing new biotech soaks, toughens, stains away. Clean, clean, everything soon will be clean, clean, for all the world to see. Soak, soak, stains away easily when you use new biotech. Get amazing new biotech today and let soaking do the washing. Thursday, a week and two days before his 40th birthday, Robert Holmes decided not to go to work. He told his wife he had some paperwork to wade through, and accordingly he shut himself into his study and waited. The observer hidden with him in that room, though, would have observed that the gentleman in question opened no books, picked up no pens. Instead, he merely waited and listened close by the door. After a while, he heard Elwaz go to the telephone, make a call, and agree with one of her women friends to play golf that day. She replaced the phone, just as Robert stepped out into the hall. Oh, hello, darling. Finished already? No, just uh, taking a breather. <laughs> well, I hate to make you jealous, but... What's that? Hmm? Well, what's that on your neck? Neck? Just... Robert did a very workmanlike job of throttling Elwaz. As soon as he had finished, he carried her down to the room under the garage and buried her in the shallow grave he had dug the day before. By the time he carried this out, washed his hands and straightened his tie, barely five minutes had passed. In another fifteen minutes, he was sitting at his desk at his office in town. Came 4.30 that afternoon... Miss Cook, I've got a bit of a nasty pain in my stomach. 
In fact, I, uh, I don't feel well at all. I, I'd like you to ring my wife, please. If she's not at home, she'll be either at the Dawson's or with some friends. I'm sorry, Mr. Holmes. Awfully sorry. I, I've tried all the places you said, but no one's seen her today. Huh? Uh, this Mrs. Um, uh, Mrs. Bascom said she talked to your wife this morning. They were supposed to play golf together. Apparently, Mrs. Holmes just didn't turn up. Mm. That's strange. Yes, sir. That's strange. Not like it was at all. Uh, would you try my home phone? Oh, yes, sir. That's the first place I tried. No one answered. How does your tummy feel now? <sighs> Seems beginning worse than anything. Oh. Must have been something I had at lunch. Well, you shouldn't go home if there's no one there. Uh, here. <sighs> That's the number of the woman who does for us. It's Thursday today, the day off. Uh, look, call her and explain the situation. Yes, uh, tell her to take a taxi out of the house and say, I'll be there within the hour. Would you like me to drive you home, Mr. Holmes? <laughs> That's very nice of you. I hate to inconvenience you, though. Oh, it's no trouble, sir. I'll get your hat and coat, shall I? You won't need your briefcase, will you? Or, or is there something... Uh, yes. No, 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 quite. Yes, of course. No, 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 I phoned them. Yes. No, I suppose not. Oh, thank you. Oh, I wonder about the last of the hospitals. In fact, it is the last within 20 miles, anyhow. Well, could she have gone on a trip, do you suppose? Oh, no, no, she'd have told me. Anyway, a car's still there. Maybe you should call the police. Mum had to do that about Dad once. They found him three months later, sitting in the park in Manchester, feeding the pigeons. Well, if I don't hear anything within the hour, I will call them. Uh, yes, I'd I better do that. Now, where's Mrs. Ruddy Watson? You, you phoned her. She promised to be here. I... Look, I, I don't want to keep this. I've told you before, Sergeant Wilkins, and I'll tell you again. People do not simply disappear. She's got to be somewhere. Oh, we've checked and rechecked everywhere. She could have left the town, Inspector. And she didn't leave. She's still here somewhere. Yeah. Oh, perhaps we'd better let the newspapers have a crack at it. You know that's out. Her father's a very big man. The editors of some of the biggest national papers are like Siamese twins to him, let alone the locals. He doesn't want anything in the paper about it. He says she might have just gone away for a while and doesn't want to be embarrassed. Mm. You know, that husband knows more than he's saying. Maybe he killed her. Well, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. And what did he do with the body? Well, maybe he buried her. Maybe he dissolved her in acid and washed her down the drain. I don't know what he did with her. We've been through and over every darned inch of the ground on the property. If just supposing he did bump her off, Sergeant, where the heck did he bury her? Uh. Well, anyway, Holmes can account almost for every second from the time Mrs. Baskin talked to his wife on the phone until the time he found in the missing persons report. His alibi's too darn good. A jury doesn't convict people for having good alibis. And suddenly a whole new world opened up before Robert Holmes. Exciting possibilities. There were no boundaries, it seemed to him now. The world was his oyster. He decided that it was a holiday he was needing. A long, long holiday. Of course, he'd keep the house. He would refrain from letting it or anything stupid like that. You can't let the ruddy thing. Not with what the room under the garage contained. Not with what's downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Although, of course, who could ever find it? But then, no one could ever find it. They might 
just get into conversation with the barman. You might just have a talk with old Dutch in the bar. Oh, that's a bit dodgy. Certainly would. Imagine it. Oh, so you read number 134 on the hill. Used to wait eight, three years ago. Before the present owner, of course. Which geese has it now? His wife disappeared in mysterious circumstances. It's never been found. Some people reckon he had something to do with it. But they never managed to make anything of it. Yes, well, underneath the garage floor, there's this cellar place. All you do, as I remember, is to find a certain place on the wall. Oh, no, definitely not Robert Holmes. Certainly not. Look the whole place up. Put it in the hands of reliable lawyers. I'll take it. I'll uh, return from time to time, of course. Of course. Otherwise, otherwise, uh, people might think I've run away. Ah, south of France, I think. Then, uh, Switzerland. Ah. It'd be wise to uh, check with that inspector chap, I think. After all, it's only been nine days. All the beautiful ladies in the world are waiting for you, Bob Holmes. Forty. Forty? Inspector Jason, please. Hmm. Yes, I, I think he is expecting me to ring. Thank you. Bless you. Touch you for reminding me of the moment. Uh, hello? Uh, Inspector? Uh, Robert Holmes here? Yes, yes. Uh, no, 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 I... Look, Inspector, I, I, I've got to get away just, just for a while. It, it's been a terrible strain on me, as you can imagine. Hmm? Uh, France. Oh, yeah, yes, of course. And, and if she turns up, as I, I, I'm sure she must, the silly girl. Now, if you can contact me. No, no, I, I'm sorry, Inspector. I, I will not allow such a terrible possibility to prey on my mind. Now, I, I'm sure she merely decided on the spur of the moment to... Hmm? Oh, thank you. That's nice of you. But it, it's perfectly all right, then. I mean, I thought I'd just check... Good. Good, fine. Uh, well, as soon as I've got an address, I'll... Yeah. Right? Right, Julia, thank you for all your help. No ordinary day, this. It was Robert Holmes' 40th birthday. He had allowed the woman who did for him leave for an indefinite period. On a generous retainer, of course. He began to pack. Then he discovered an annoying thing. He couldn't find the diamond-studded tie clip that Elwaz had given him for his 39th birthday. He tried to remember when he had last worn it. It had been the day he had killed Elwaz. He remembered dressing and waiting for her to make a phone call. Later, he had carried her down to the room he had placed her in the grave and covered her. Blast! It's got to be down there. It's the only place it can be. Oh, I can't leave it. Cost at least a thousand pounds. Diamonds are huge. Anyway, anyone ever found the room and found her? And the tie clip of her, too. No, I, there's no risk anyway. I'm alone. 
And so accordingly, he got a torch, opened the trap, and started down the stairs. He was halfway down when he heard the car approach. Who oh, the blazes? The coppers must be. ear to the trapdoor above him, Robert realized that the car and whoever had driven it there had come into the garage. It had to be the police. I'll wait for you here. Who's that? It's not the police. Several minutes passed. Then came another voice. Nobody seems to be home. The back door's open, but no one came in my rag. Might be in the bar. She said deliver it this morning. I'm positive of that. It's his birthday. What shall we do? <laughs> Suddenly, Robert recognized the second voice. Ed Mathis. Mathis? We'll leave the car where it is. It's uh, paid for. We'll go back to town in your car. Waiting a decent interval, Robert searched for the tie clip and found it. Now he was ready to go. South of France, blue waters and film starlets with loose morals awaited him. Swimming, fishing... Sailing. Golf? <coughs> the door remained shut. He placed his back against the trap. He strained against it with all the power of his back and legs. And then he felt a wave of terror. Like a page slowly unfolding before him, he saw it. Ed Mathis. The secret meeting with Elwaz. Mathis was a car salesman at the place where he had admired the beautiful car that day. His birthday. Forty. And standing there like a poised missile just inches above him, the yellow, beautiful sports car. With one wheel resting firmly on the trap door. paint the town red. But what about your headache? Oh, that's gone. Grandpa Headache Powders did the trick. Grandpa Headache Powders kill pain, soothe strained nerves and lift depression. Grandpa Headache Powders are extra effective because they have a triple action. Grandpa Headache Powders work extra fast because they dissolve almost immediately. Get fast effective relief from any pain, all pain. Get Grandpa Headache Powders. Ah, Grandpa. With amazing new Biotex, the stubbornest stains will vanish. Yes, vanish clean away. Just by soaking your laundry overnight in cold water, or for an hour or two in warm water, or by pre-washing it quickly in your washing machine. 
Get amazing new biotechs today. Beyond Midnight is presented every Friday night at half past nine by Biotechs, the new soak and pre-wash powder. The program is adapted for broadcasting and produced by Michael McCabe. the black man. Tonight, a story about television by J. Anthony West, appropriately called Atrophy. George, cut it out. You're, you're making an image jump. Oh, sorry, dear. I must have been sitting in the same position too long. George, dear, you don't have to make quite such a fuss about it. I can't help it. Depression. have to wake it up. Anxiety. Everybody's foot falls asleep. My foot foot's asleep right now. Ten minutes headache pain is gone. So depression's gone. The least you can do if you must hop, dear, is to hop out in the hall. I'll be damned if I'll hop out in the hall just to wake up my foot. You are being childish again, Charlie. What's childish? What's childish about waking my foot up? It's your attitude that's childish. Attitude? I'm trying to wake up my foot. If you just sit down, dear, and forget it, it'll pass. George. What? Do you think you're doing? Can't I take off my shoes? Well, someone comes. I suppose they do. You're sitting there with your shoe off. Well, can't I take off my shoes in my own house? But you only took off one shoe. I'm afraid I don't see the difference. You're completely insensitive. All right, well, what's the problem? I know, I know, I'm being silly. I can't watch the program when my foot's asleep. Other men could. You have no intestinal fortitude, George. Easy for you to say it isn't your foot. And if it were, I wouldn't make a fuss about it. Men are all big babies. What kind of work? Any kind that'll pay us wages. 
Marjorie, my foot isn't asleep. Then why make all this fuss about it? Well, uh, there's something wrong with it. Sure. I'm serious. Look, I can't move it. My foot's stiff somehow. See, it's like that. It won't move. You're holding it that way on purpose. Don't take your sock off. There, will you pay attention to me? Just look at that. Now, now, do believe me. Look, see, I can't flex my toes even. My whole foot's rigid. You're doing it on purpose. You just want my sympathy. Marjorie, darling, please listen to me. Look, look, see there? I can't move it. Well, you're not trying. I know when I'm trying and when I'm not, I'm trying. Try to move it yourself. I don't want to play games with your sweaty foot. My foot isn't sweaty? In this weather? All right, my foot's sweaty. You try and move it, though. Go on. I believe you. You can't move your foot. You don't believe me? I can tell by the tone of your voice. Your foot is asleep, but you can't move it. I believe you. It is not asleep. There's something wrong with it. Sleeping foot doesn't just go rigid, just like that. You are such a hypochondriac, George. Every little thing. Just like the time you thought you had an appendicitis and it was gas pain. And what was I supposed to think? I was lying on the bed in agony. It might have been appendicitis. Well, it wasn't. And you're not lying in agony right now. Your foot is asleep. And why you have to make such a fuss about it, I, I just don't know. A sleeping foot doesn't just go stiff. It does, when it's very soundly asleep. Maybe you sprained it walking around. Well, how would I do that? Oh, I don't know. Where did you walk today? Oh, my usual walking, what do you think? I walked from the subway to the office. And I walked to the water cooler twice. No, it was three times. You see? Usually you only go to the water cooler twice. Yes, but I went to the men's room once. That makes up for it. You're always talking about things you don't know the first thing about. How am I supposed to know? Usually you go twice. That's precisely what I mean. Let's forget the whole thing. Still, you can overexert a tendon and not know it. Remember Geraldine Roberts? Oh, she fell down the subway stairs and broke three ribs and didn't know a thing about it for a week. I didn't fall down the subway stairs. I didn't overexert a tendon and Geraldine Roberts was stewed to the ears when she fell. So what? Your friend Walter is a complete lush. We weren't talking about Walter. <clears throat> Does it hurt? No. You walk like a war hero, George. Only hurts when I laugh. I am not a war hero and I don't want to walk like one. Don't be such a milk-toast, George. You, you could have been a war hero. How could I have been a war hero? I was in Jersey training recruits the whole time. Yes. Your, your, your training recruits and a nervous private drops a hand grenade. In another second, you see that the whole regiment will be blown to smithereens and you, and you leap on top of it. Oh, and my it... God, all of which results in a stiffened foot, I suppose. Besides, I was training them to use a calculating machine. And if someone dropped a hand grenade near me, you can bet that... Oh. Marjorie, Marjorie, my, my other foot's gone stiff. I, I can't move it. You mustn't get this excited. Now, now, come and sit down, and it will pass in a moment. Your, your other foot's gone to sleep, that's all. Don't make such a fuss about every little Don't thing. Don't make such a fuss. Great Christ, you think I was just anybody? Me? George, your husband? Suddenly I'm paralyzed, and I can't walk, and, and you say of that I... Of course I'm... you can walk. You were just walking. Do you call this hobble walking? Look, is this walking? There are millions of people who would give their right arm to walk that well. And what the hell do I care about them? It's me, George, who can't walk right now. I've got leprosy or something, and you just sit there. You don't have leprosy, George. If you had leprosy, your feet wouldn't stiffen. They'd fall off. Oh, my Leprosy, it was all over leprosy. Shut up, shut up. Can't you see I'm frightened? <laughs> I was just trying to cheer you up, dear. 
Now, now, look at it this way. Hmm. It can't be anything serious. If it were something serious, there'd have to be symptoms, right? Now, hmm. now, there's no serious disease without symptoms. I think you should just go off to bed now and put the whole thing out of your mind. Yeah. Your feet will be back to normal tomorrow morning. Oh. Oh. You have no idea, dear, how foolish you are. Do you think are. I care? Do I care about appearance at a time like this? You might at least try to behave like a gentleman. Oh, appearances always appearances with you. All women are the same. Intrinsic value means nothing to you at all, as long as it looks nice. That's not true, George, and you know it. Nothing was ever more true. You'd eat horse manure if it came served with parsley. I would not. You would. I wouldn't. You would. Wouldn't. Would. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't. Would, would, would. Wouldn't, 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 oh, wouldn't, wouldn't. sit here talking as though nothing was wrong and my feet are paralyzed. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? The first thing, George, is to relax. You mustn't let yourself get so excited. If you were a professional tennis star or something, I could hmm. understand. But all you have to do yes, is... Yes, I it... suppose get to the office. As long as I bring home the bacon, it doesn't matter how I get there. President Roosevelt had to go around in a wheelchair, and that didn't oh, stop him from becoming the... You pre don't understand, Chris. You just don't understand. I understand, George. Believe me, I do. In a week, you'll get the hang of it. Really, you will. Besides, it'll be all better in the morning. You know it won't. You're just trying to cheer me up. No one's ever had this before. Nobody's feet ever stiffened. No, they're just like, not just like that. You always think you're better than everyone else. It happens to lots of people, dear. Oh, name one. Don't know any personally. That's just it. That's why I'm worried. If we just knew what it was. Oh, I suppose you're right. There's no point in getting excited. Better watch the program. There's nothing wrong with you when you go running to the doctor. Do you want me to call the doctor at this hour? I didn't say that. Glass for glass. If it's no better than more, we'll call him then. All right? Yeah, you know. You know, I think it's a little bit. Not a juice, no, a juice. Oh! Marjorie, Marjorie, my knee. It's my knee. I can't move my knee. Uh, look, look, will you look, please? Oh, for God's sake. Look here. My knee's completely stiff. George, dear, relax. Please relax. I'll go and call the doctor. Please relax now. Relax. Go. Hello? 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 Operator. Oh, hello. Oh, he's not in. Marjorie, what's taking so long? The doctor wasn't in, dear. I'm calling another one. Oh, my God. Hello? Oh. Marjorie! Marjorie, for the love of God, my... My other knee! My other knee's paralyzed. Tell, tell him to hurry. I really can't carry on two conversations at once, dear. Marjorie, my knee! Well? Well? Well what? Well, what do you think? What is it? What did he say? Just what I told you. Nothing serious. Huh. Well, did he know what it was? Of course he knew. Did uh, you think you were the only one? I told you. All right, you. all right. No sermons. Tell me what he said. What is it? Atrophy. Atrophy? Atrophy? Plain, common, atrophy. Just atrophy? So that's it. Atrophy. Well, at least we know what it is. I told you. I told you wasn't knowing that scared me. Well, now, what do we do about it? Hmm? Well, nothing. Nothing? Nothing? You mean to tell me that I have a fatal disease? I have a fatal disease and you sit there calmly and tell me there's nothing we can do? George, get hold of yourself. 
There's nothing fatal about the disease. The doctor said not to worry. Nothing can be done about it. But there are absolutely no dangerous effects. Oh, well, I suppose that's a relief. Nothing we can do. But there are no dangerous effects. Right. You can do anything you would do normally except move. Well, that's at least something. We should be grateful for that. Ruth, you oh, have to have courage, George. We have to have courage. We have to sure. fashion a whole new life for ourselves. Won't be easy. Mm. No, I can't face it. It happened too quickly. This evening I was a man in my prime. I could have done anything I wanted. Now... Well, we can start from scratch, George, dear. We'll start a new life. I can't walk anymore. I, I can't go for a simple stroll. You never went for walks, dear. When did you ever take a walk? That isn't the question. It's that now I can't even if I wanted to, and I was planning on taking a walk, actually. When? Well, this Sunday. I was going to walk around the block. You have to stop thinking this way, George. You, you can't give in to self-pity. It's such a simple thing, a stroll round the block. Stop it, George. You know you wouldn't have gone. I was planning to. There's nothing on the other side of the block, anyhow. How do you know? I've been there. And there's nothing? Nothing. Well, hardly That's what I mean. You see, I wanted to see for myself. George, you must take my word for it. There's nothing interesting to be seen. Well, I suppose I've just got to get used to the whole idea. My thighs. My thighs just went. I, I can't move them. Have courage, darling, please. For your sake, for mine, have courage. Well, I suppose things could have been worse. <laughs> I suppose it hadn't happened at home, eh? <clears throat> <laughs> yes. I mean, it might have happened in the subway or tying my shoelace or painting the ceiling. <laughs> you are wonderful, darling. I don't like this any better than you do. I can't go bowling anymore or fishing or play ball, nothing. George, darling, you never went bowling. You never did any of those things. No, true. But I'm still young. I could have done them. I can't think wrong. You never played ping pong. I always wanted to. Well, we have to make a living. You can't go to work. What will we live on? We have to eat. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I'll work, George. I don't care. We'll get along, don't you worry. I'll do anything. I'll take in washing, I'll scrub floors, no. I'll, I'll work in a millinery shop, don't you worry. Oh, I'll keep us going. Now, maybe we can get back that modelling job, eh? George. Now, let's see now. You know, will we need money? With our social security, community benefits, disability, all our policies. Ten, twenty-five, twenty-five. You know, I think we... I figure forty a week. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Well, the price we have to pay... Well, it's not so bad, not so bad at all. But, you know, we'll have more money. We can buy the things you've always wanted. My own needs will be less. Uh, just let me have... Uh, don't do that, dear. Don't do what? Reach for the peanut. Who knows? Any minute now and you'll be reaching for peanuts the rest of your life. No, Marjorie. I'm serious. If you want something, dear, ask me for it. Is there anything you want? You can still move from the waist. <coughs> my waist. The uh, atrophy hit my waist. Won't it stop, George? Why won't it stop, George? Won't it stop? Why us? Why not someone else? That's uh, selfish thinking, dear. Sitting around is so awful. This awful sitting, watching it happen. It was different if I, I went out to a, to, a, to, a, to a cinema and came back and found you atrophied and... Dying by inches. You know I'm not dying. And please don't get emotional. Oh, don't lift your arm. Don't do that. 
Tell me what you want and I'll do it for you. Well, it's only a small thing. Anything, George, no matter how small. Uh, would you uh, scratch my nose for me? A little higher. Thanks. Whole life ahead of you, and you'll never be able to scratch yourself. Oh, George. I'll have to be beside you always to scratch for you. No, when the atrophy is set in, there's no sensation at all. Actually, just a few moments. That's the worst part of all. A whole life to live, and you'll never know what it is to eat. Oh, my dear. You know what I'll miss? I'll miss making myself snacks for the late show. I'll make you marvellous snacks, George. No, it won't be quite the same thing. Don't quite understand. You see, when you go to bed early, I stay up for the late show and the late, late show. And in between the two, I get a little hungry. House is completely quiet. Sometimes I hear buses down the avenue. Once in a while, a fire engine. Looks like there isn't a bit of food in the place. And I go to the refrigerator and open it, and a whole world of midnight snacks lights up there before my eyes. Herring, sour cream, herring in wine sauce, sods and ends of cheddar. <sighs> Mento olives, a spread, quarter of cantaloupe. Carving <laughs> blue cheese. Go through everything. Look around, pick out one, put it back. There are dishes and dishes with covers on them and little things that were left over we've forgotten about. One by one, take off the covers. There's meat pork. What's that, dear? Two slices of roast beef. So we're having. Don't choose. No, don't choose. Go to the bed box. Half a loaf of rye, three or four kinds of crackers. Go to the pantry. Peanut butter. <laughs> Peanut butter. All kinds of jam. Hmm. Maybe during the day you bought some sardines. New brand, maybe. Hmm. Have some tuna fish, salmon. No, still I don't choose. Go to the cabin with the sugar and the flour and the breakfast cereals. Cornflakes. You know, there weren't any cornflakes yesterday. Hmm? Cornflakes. Hmm. Did I see peaches in the refrigerator? No. Yes, oh, I don't remember. I run to the refrigerator, and if there are peaches, I'll have peaches. Cornflakes, more peaches, cream. Uh, no, George, there aren't any peaches, dear, but there are strawberries. Hmm, not nice big ones. You can have cornflakes with strawberries instead. Oh, well, I never knew it meant so much to you. I never dreamed. Oh, it was only something small. Small things are the most important. Really, darling, it doesn't matter. Oh, I can... oh the arm just went. Oh. You know those roses? George. Ah, made it. <laughs> Peanuts. Oh, you mustn't do that. You want to give me heart failure? George, you know what could happen. Just one more second. Yes, but I did make it, you know. There's nothing to worry about. Promise me you won't do that again. All right, I promise. But I had to reach for my last handful of peanuts, you know. You have more courage than most men, George. No one will ever tell me that my husband was a coward. Oh, don't be silly. It was now, don't be modest, George. You know perfectly well that most men would have just sat there. Men with less character would have hesitated. <coughs> the other arm. Look, look, see? It, you see? That split second was all. Other men would have been less decisive. And in that time... You, George, you defied fate. Oh. oh, I go all week inside when I think of it, George. 
I really do. I... George! What's it now, dear? Our lives, darling. Our lives are ruined. No, please don't start that over again. You have to stay in that chair the whole rest of your life. Well, we both know that, Madge, dear. don't. I don't think you know what that means. You can't ever leave, ever. Forever you'll always be sitting there. Of course, I know that. It's perfectly clear. You don't understand. You don't see. You'll have to bring me my food. That'll be a bother, I suppose. You'll have to vacuum around me. Well, I still don't see why you have to get so excited about it. You can't come to bed, George. Oh, that's so. I suppose I hadn't thought of that. Oh, with a couple of extra blankets, I'll be warm here. It won't be as bad as all that. And me, George? I'll have to get between the cold sheets alone. Oh, I'll do a couple of extra blankets warm enough. We can't make love anymore. We aren't husband and wife. We aren't lovers anymore. Mm, I hadn't thought of that. Not another chance. Never again. Oh, George. That's the best part, George. I, I love most, then. Always in your arms and a little light glowing. You always said such silly little things. I loved you most, then, George. It's my fault, George. All my fault. If I'd been a little more understanding before, if I'd listened to my intuition just a while ago, when it was just your foot, we could have had one last chance. Just one last time in your arms. Well, we just didn't think of it, Marge. I didn't, and you didn't. Anyway, it isn't Wednesday. And it's no use crying over still. Quarrels are made up there, George. The nights were all soft and tender. In your arms, I was a, a princess at dawn, George, beside my sleeping prince. It was marvellous. It was perfect, wasn't it? Yeah. We were passionate. Yeah. Each day was an experience, wasn't it, George? Every night, eight hours out of paradise. We were happy. So very happy, weren't we, George? Yes. We did things together. What lives we led. Everyone ended it. We made life so exciting. Never fought, never bickered like other couples. We were happy, weren't we? Mom? Oh, yes, I said we were. We were very happy. Good night, George. How will I get through the long nights alone? We're so young, George. Our lives were all before us. So young. I'm 32, George. A girl. A young girl. And you? 34. Your life has just begun. Uh, Mom? Yes, dear? Are you sure I'm, I'm 34? I'm fair. No, George. Funny, I always thought of myself as much older than that. <sighs> It affected your mind, darling. That, too. No, 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 really. Um, well, you know how it is. I suppose one day is like the next. A year goes by and you don't notice it. <laughs> then fine. Oh! My neck. Oh, it's all over, George. Our lives are finished. There's nothing left for us. No, that's not true, Marge. We can still talk. Yes. Yes, we can still talk. That's right, George. We can still talk. Talk to me, darling. Well, I can't just talk. I... I'd <laughs> something to say. <laughs> of course. And when you think of something, you'll talk to me, won't you, George? Promise me. You mustn't worry, darling. I'll always be beside you whenever you need me. <sighs> I'll stay by your side always. I'll never leave you for another. No. I'll refuse all invitations. Oh. I won't let myself be tempted. Yeah. George. George, look at me. What? What? I can't, you know. My eyes are focused straight ahead. At the television. <laughs> I didn't even know. Well, it's almost over. Thank God for that. George, are you blind? Can you see? Yes, I, I can see all that. 
Aren't you afraid, George? No, 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 I'm, I'm not, not afraid. George, that's not your normal voice. Not that, too. George, George, talk to me. I'm frightened. Say something. Some last thing. Don't leave me like this. Tell me what it's like. What do you feel? I've got to know, George. That was Atrophy, adopted by Richard Rowland from a story by J. Anthony West. The part of George was played by Bernard Mays, and Pat Franklin was Marjorie. The technical production was by Fred Seiden. And now, good night. That's our show for tonight, and I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970, or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. I also have a uh, YouTube channel, Terror Radio. Check it out. Subscribe. Like and share the videos. It will be highly appreciated. Again, This is your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, signing off.